everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Testudo Talk podcast. I'm Andrew Chodis alongside Emmett Siegel. How are you today, Emmett? Doing well. Uh, excited for another episode. I think this is going to be a good one. Yeah, like Emmett said, it's got a really fun episode planned for everyone. We're going to be rounding up Maryland's uh, football and basketball recruiting classes. And then at the end, we'll have a really fun interview uh, with 2024 Maryland football offensive tackle, Therese Davis, for you guys. So I think Emmett, want to start, start us off? Sure. Yeah, I think we can kind of jump right into uh, some basketball talk and then we'll you know hit football and then we'll have you know an interview with a uh, football recruit at the back end of this episode. Um I think we should, yeah, like I said, start with uh, some some men's basketball recruiting talk with the 2024 class, uh, the 2025 class is a little far away. So I think we'll, we'll focus on 2024. Um, no commits to this point. We're recording this on Thursday, July 20th. Um, so we're getting into the summer and still no commits for the team, but I know they're going hard after, uh, you know, some, some big names. And I think we should recap some of those names just to kind of give everyone a little bit of an update on where Maryland stands and some of the guys they're after. Um, you know, I don't want to just sit here and list off names so we can kind of go one by one. Um, but I think everything with this recruiting class seems to start and end with Derek queen. Uh, Derek queen is for anyone who doesn't know top 10 recruit in the 2024 class nationally. Uh, he's from Baltimore. He started his career at St. Francis Academy. Then he transferred down to Florida. I believe he goes to Montverde, um, which is, you know, nationally ranked one of those, you know, factories of NBA players and such. Um, Maryland's been going really hard after him and it seems like the interest is mutual. Um, he's, you know, he, he's one of those like big, big fish. I mean, he would be, um, I don't have it off the top of my head, but he would be, you know, one of probably the three, uh, highest rated recruits ever to come to Maryland if he were to. So, um, there's a lot riding on his commitment. It feels like this class is kind of built around the assumption that he's going to come. Um, so Andrew, I, I mean, we all know Derek queen is, you know, he's one of the top recruits in the entire country, and it seems like he's trending very positively towards Maryland. But uh, but I'm curious, you know, what would a commitment from Derek Queen, which keep in mind, you know, the timeline, we're still probably a couple months away. But what would that mean in terms of, you know, jumpstarting this class? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Derek Queen, he would be a massive addition for the Terps. I mean, for the past few years, he's been, you know, one of the high, most highly touted uh, recruits in the country. You know, right now he's a top 10 prospect in the country, according to to most outlets. And he's been on Maryland's radar for the past couple of years, right? It's ever, 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 ever since the Kevin Mode era began for the well over a year now, it's kind of been Derek Queen's that, that, that top guy that Maryland's really been looking after. And I think that he would, he, the impact he could have a homegrown guy, like you said, a Baltimore guy coming, coming back to Maryland, it would just be absolutely huge for the fan base and for the team. But again, a long way to to any announcements and 
you know, it's a very he's a very competitive player. There's a bunch of schools in the running, so no need to speculate. But again, a really heavy target that Maryland has aspirations for. Yeah, and kind of some shades of Jalen Smith. I mean, a different style of play, but more so they're similar in the sense that both Baltimore guys, both big men, you know, guys that are going to play down low and, you know, guys that perhaps Maryland's kind of in from the start, right? Jalen Smith yeah, and, yeah, seemed like he was kind of, it, yeah. he was always going to come to Maryland. It felt like, you know, Derek Queen, I won't say he's always going to come to Maryland because who knows? And, you know, th- this is my next point I want to get to with some of the other schools that, you know, are pursuing him. You got some, some big schools going after him, but uh, you know, Derek Queen, the kind of guy that you're seeing on social media is interacting with, a lot of the, you know, current players, commits, whatever it may be. I know there's no commits in the 24 class, but, you know, some of the guys in the 23 class, you got a couple of local guys there. Um, you know, he's, he's talking with them. I saw, and obviously you don't want to speculate too much on like Instagram comments, but I saw on, uh, you know, his Instagram comments, he was, you know, going back and forth with Deshaun Harris Smith about, you know, coming to Maryland. So I think there's definitely some mutual interest there. It seems like he's, you know, trending positively for Maryland. Um, but some of the schools that are going after him, the two that, stand out to me are Indiana and Kansas yeah. Yeah. just because they've been kind of in these recruiting battles. It's interesting to see the DMV kind of become a, you know, a, a hotbed for recruiting battles between those three schools. And I think, I think especially Indiana also in the big 10, they're pushing really, really hard uh, from what I've seen. But I think that you also mentioned kind of the local aspect and I, I'm not going to go into the guys that we're going to talk about specifically, but we are going to be talking about four guys and three of them are, you know, within they grew up within th- half an hour from Maryland. So I guess, what do you th- just think, that impact kind of has the DMV and kind of re- reigniting that is, you know, in the Kevin Miller era. Well, I mean, it's, it's priority number one and it's every coach that comes to Maryland, you know, they talk about putting up a wall around the DMV, but the early returns for Kevin Willard are really promising. Yeah. I mean, today I was at uh, an open practice for the men's basketball team. You know, we talked to uh, Deshaun Harris Smith. We talked to Jamie Kaiser, John Lamoth, um, and all three of them stated how important it was for them to, you know, put on for their hometown and, you know, play for a team that they were familiar with growing up. Um, you know, that their family can come watch and play, et cetera. And I think that that still rings true. And I think that, you know, if you have a nationally competitive team in your backyard, I mean, it's hard to see why, if you're a local guy, why you wouldn't want to at least experience that in a recruiting aspect. You don't necessarily have to go to the school. You know, some guys are going to want to go other places. Some places are are better fits. You know, we see a ton of guys from the DMV go to all sorts of schools and have success. But if you have a school like that right in your backyard, you got to at least give them the light of day. And, and it seems like Kevin Willard's is doing a really good job of kind of prioritizing some of these guys and like you said i mean we got you got some local guys that are that are some big targets uh coming up and, and it seems like that's priority number one it all starts with a guy like Derek queen that you know is from baltimore seems to have a lot of interest in coming home and that seems to be a major selling point even though you're going up against schools like indiana and kansas that are you know boasting major nil programs if you can kind of sell them on coming home and you can get a guy of that caliber to come home i think that that bodes really well for the future of, of what kevin willard can do recruiting wise yeah, and then I think now we can kind of transition from Derek Queen, a big guy, to a to a guard in in uh in Boogie Flan. Not some so not from the DMV, but a point guard. Uh, you know, one of the top players in the nation, consensus top ten recruit. Maryland, they weren't really in the race, you know, a few months back, or at least not publicly. And then all of a sudden, there was kind of this push from Maryland that you can kind of uh you'll kind of talk it talk about Emmett. And then uh he recently announced his top eight in Maryland. What uh what was one of those schools? Yeah, I mean, Boogie Fland is, you know, another top 10 guy in the country. And I mean, if we're being totally honest for Maryland, it's still probably a bit of a long shot to get a guy yeah, like that. Huge, yeah, huge long shot. Just long yeah, shot. I mean, you know, to get in late on a guy like that, um, there are a couple schools that can do it. And I'm not saying that Maryland can't do it. It's not impossible. And they're getting a visit out of him. I think that's been more or less confirmed. 
So, I mean, there's obviously some interest, but for a school like Maryland to jump in as late as it did and land a guy like that would be almost unprecedented and doesn't mean it can't happen, but you know, especially because he's not a local guy, it would take a Herculean effort. Um, and you know, like there are school, like I said, there are schools that can pull that off, right? If you're Maryland and you're going after a recruit and, you know, Duke gives him a call or, or North Carolina or Kansas gives him a call, well, then, then you got to start worrying that, you know, you might lose that guy. I don't know if Maryland is yet at that national perspective, that, uh, national perception where they can swoop in at the last minute and get five-star guys. But once again, I mean, if, if you, if you can just imagine them kind of coming in at the last minute, I know Kevin Willard's got, you know, ties, he's from the New York area. So Kevin Willard's got ties up there, but if Maryland could come in at the last minute and get a guy like Boogie Fland, I mean, that would be a major statement. I think not just to the area because he's not a local guy, but to the country about like Maryland's recruiting would be like legit, legit. You know, if you're hypothetically, if they were to land two top 10 guys in one class, I mean, that would be probably the best class they've ever signed. I would think since, since at least since, um, at least since they've been rating people, you know, on like the composite scores and such. I think that would probably be the best class they've ever signed. Yeah. And again, just for the, for the listeners, it's, it's again, at this point, it seems highly unlikely, but it is our job to report news. And in the recent weeks, it does seem like Maryland has gained some momentum and they were able to creep uh, in, into Flan's uh, top, top eight. So it definitely is something to keep an eye on a kid from Westchester, uh, New York, one of the top players in the country. Yeah. And it's also, you're not really sure what Maryland's guard situation is going to be. I mean, Jameer Young is going to be gone yeah. after this year. Um, you know, you're thinking Deshaun Harris-Smith might be back next year, but you never know if he breaks out. You know, maybe, maybe he's off to the NBA or something along those lines. So you don't really know what the guard situation is going to look like. And, you know, Boogie Flan seems like kind of gravy. Um, it seems like if you could land a guy like that, that would be huge. But my guess would be if they don't get him, you know, you're probably looking at, you are know, searching in the portal at this time next year, maybe a little bit earlier than this time next year to, you know, fill that that point guard role and, kind of build around the rest of the young guys that you've brought in, you know, over the last couple of years, maybe not at that point guard position, but you know, maybe that off ball guard position. Yeah. And then I guess we can talk about another guard who was just announced today. Uh, he will be taking an official visit um, to, uh, to Maryland. Again, another DMV guy in Jaden Mustaf. He currently attends overtime elite um, down in Georgia. Emmett, what are your, what are your initial thoughts on, 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 on hearing this news? I mean, you know, anytime you can get a visit out of someone that obviously means something that obviously means that there's mutual interest and that, you know, you're you, somewhat of a priority, right? That recruit, um, Jaden Mustaf, I believe was a DeMatha guy, uh, to start his high school career. And now he's, you he said he's at overtime elite, which is, you know, kind of a world of its own. I mean, you know, they're throwing around, I mean, I've heard some big numbers being thrown around for some guys that, you know, I would not expect to be getting those kinds of numbers. Um, so yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta expect if a guy's going to overtime elite. This is a little bit of a tangent, but if a guy's going to overtime elite, you gotta expect that NIL is playing a major factor in their recruitment. You know, because that's one of the biggest draws of overtime elite is that you can get paid as a high schooler to play basketball. So um, Maryland's NIL situation still has a long way to go. Um, I don't know enough about Jaden Mustaf's exact situation. I don't think anyone really does to like say he's coming to Maryland or he isn't. I don't think anyone really knows at this point, but. Uh, once again, with these, you know, four-star guys, especially when NIL comes in the equation, I mean, it's, it's kind of like, I would say it's the great equalizer, but it's kind of the opposite in that, you know, some guys kind of rocket right to the top. Some schools kind of rocket right to the top. And then, you know, their priorities become pretty clear. And I'm not sure Maryland can compete at the highest level in that space. So, um, 
if you're getting a visit, it's a good sign, but you know, I wouldn't necessarily go ahead and make any definitive statements about him. I think it's a bit early for that. Yeah. And now in, in just here, he, he did start his career at, uh, at the Matha. So, I mean, you always have to take that into consideration, obviously. That's probably, why. probably playing for Mike Jones, if I had to guess. Probably. Uh, well, just looking they at made his... have missed him by a year, but I'm sure he was recruited well, by Mike Jones at there. Looking, looking at his initial profile, it does say he was recruited by, by Mike Jones. So yeah, no, no surprise there. Some of that he's obviously that obviously both knew the name of, even if he didn't coach him, saw him play a ton. So not much of a surprise there that, that he recruited him. Yeah. I mean, Mike Jones is, I actually saw, I was going to bring this up. I actually saw a, um, an article, I believe it was by on three and they asked uh, different coaches. It was, you know, one of those co- coaches confidential um, series, you know, where they ask coaches anonymously. And the question was, who's the most feared coach that you think is out there on the recruiting trail? And there was an ACC coach that said Mike Jones was, was oh. his most feared coach uh, because of his ties to the DMV. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say it's, it's all, you know, that, that, that was kind of, it's unofficially that's, you know, he kind of came in to Maryland because his role is we need to get those DMV guys and that that's what he's here for. And again, just with the visits we're seeing and what they've gotten, it seems like they're definitely on, on a pretty good path. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Maryland's DMV recruiting is, you know, it feels like they've built some good relationships and they've, they've made some inroads there. Um, I think we can talk about one more guy in the class of 24 because we do want to make sure this episode doesn't go too long. And that's a Canadian guy. His name is Efiosa Oliogu. Um, ultra, ultra athletic wing. I've watched his. He's technically in the class of 25, um, but I think there's a lot of rumors swirling about him potentially reclassing into the class of 24 and a lot of positive momentum for Maryland building. Ultra, ultra athletic wing. Um, I watched his highlights and it was pretty much all dunks. So I'm not sure how much you can take from that. But I mean, this guy looks like he has that NBA athleticism. He looks like that kind of guy that can make an impact. And, you know, if he's reclassing and he joins that 24 class, you're looking at, you know, potentially having a really, really athletic team in a conference that I think would be very interesting to see what Maryland could do. And, you know, a conference when you bring in some of these young guys over these last two recruiting classes, and, you know, a lot of them are incredibly athletic in a conference that's kind of famous for slow tempo and kind of famous for, you know, playing through big men to be ultra athletic and kind of jumping out of the gym. I think that would be a really interesting way to kind of, you know, shape up your team. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have much, how much more to add, to, to add on him per se. Cause I haven't, you know, you said it's kind of just a lot of rumors you've been hearing about, but what I will say is just to kind of reiterate this again, we're talking a lot of, about these, you know, these top recruiters, how Maryland's in on them. I mean, realistically, right. A lot of teams are in all these guys, Maryland, they'll be unbelievably fortunate to get one of these guys, you know, hopefully two for Kevin Willard and staff. But even if they are only able to for, uh, fortunate to get one top 10 recruit, the impact it could have on the team would just be absolutely enormous, right? Right. I mean, it's just the the momentum you keep building and, you know, the, the class of 25 and the DMV looks really strong. So especially at the guard position. So, um, so yeah, I think it would be good to start building some positive momentum. And I think now we can, we can transition to football, um, you know, right ahead. Well, right after this segment, we'll have a, an interview with Therese Davis, like you mentioned earlier, and he had a lot of really good stuff to say about local recruiting and what it's like, you know, he's a DeMatha guy, what it's like to, you know, be a local guy recruited by Mike Loxley. And, you know, this football recruiting class, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. So, you know, there's a chance that there could be another four-star recruit coming in um, this evening. So we'll see about that. But as it currently stands, there's one four-star recruit that is committed. His name is Dewan Williams. He's a running back from St. Francis Academy. And we know that St. Francis is, you know, quite a producer of talent. So, you know, when you look at this class, you have a couple three-star guys and, you know, Williams, at, once again, as we're recording this, there, there might be, you know, Brandon Jacob might be coming on board later tonight. And, you know, we'll see about that. But when you look at the way that this recruiting class is shaping up so far, 
what are your initial thoughts, you know, when you compare it, especially to past years where, you know, maybe Mike Loxley has kind of, you know, earned his reputation as a, as an ace recruiter. Uh, I think number one, I think, as we mentioned, I think as Therese will, will mention late, later as well, is that obviously there's a huge emphasis on, on DMV, right? It's just, this is 90% of the guys uh, so far in the class are, are from the DMV area. And then number two was clearly, I think Loxley has a huge emphasis on, on the, on the line of scrimmage, right? You'll see a ton of offensive tackles, uh, defensive tackles, right? And that, that's been a struggle uh, for Maryland. So clearly there, the, there's an emphasis on building the parts where they, where they kind of struggle and fall in against Big Ten competition. So I think that's kind of two of the things that I've noticed. Yeah, and when you look at the type of player that they're putting in the NFL, I mean, you can't help but think that stuff has got to really help when it comes to recruiting. I mean, you get yeah. two offensive linemen drafted, you had two defensive backs drafted. I mean, you had Deontay Banks drafted in the first round, who was a you know a low three star recruit coming out of high school. Um, you know, we all know what Maryland's wide receiver room looks like. You know, year after year, and the kind of talent they're able to accumulate there. I think Maryland is kind of finding its niche and you know what it's what it wants to be as a as a recruiting uh, aspect. You know what what it wants its its strategy to be. Well, I th- I think you also have to. I think Maryland. I think I mean they've known this forever. You have to realize that realistically the top DMP guys, those top five stars, those generational talents, it's going to be very hard for the, for you to get them to come to Maryland, that Maryland's NIL situation for football. It's just, it's not there yet. Right. When schools like Alabama and Georgia can offer hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you know, as you said, kind of they're building their pieces. They're filling it with a lot of three-star guys, a lot of local guys that fill positional needs. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a good class so far. Uh, I think that again, we're, we're recording this Thursday afternoon. If Brandon Jacob, a, highly touted four-star is to commit i think that would add a different level to the class um so we'll see about that but again no no complaints i think Lockley's done a real solid job so far in the class yeah i think like another thing that you have to take into account when you're talking about recruiting in football especially you know just given how many guys are in a class is you know you got to take into account like the portal aspect of high school recruiting i mean that balance like you know i have written down here loxley's best recruiting class at maryland you know the one that everyone kind of remembers is like, oh man, like Loxley's really building some momentum was in 2021 when he signed the 18th ranked recruiting class in the entire country. They signed six four-star recruits, which is pretty crazy for Maryland to sign six four-star recruits. I'm looking right now. Two of them are still on the roster at Maryland. Neither of them have made a major impact to this point in their career. Now, you know, some people are expecting big things from like Tommy King Basote this year, but you know, when you're talking about these four-star guys, the guys that made instant impacts, I mean, the number one that made instant impact was Chop Robinson. And we all know, you know, what happened there. He goes to Penn state. Now he's going to be, you know, potential first round pick. The other guys like Terrence Lewis uh, was a five-star recruit. And I think he's playing Juco right now. Brandon Jennings, I think is still in the portal. You know, like you never really know with these guys. And I think Maryland has kind of proven itself. This is kind of the point I was, I was trying to make earlier that Maryland has kind of proven itself as kind of understanding what it needs to do. And it needs to be about player development what Maryland's done a really good job of is finding these three-star recruits. I mean, like you had like Justin Okoronkwo from, from Germany who, you know, he's not coming to Maryland anymore. Right. But he's a three-star recruit. No one really knows about him. Maryland's like his first offer. And now he's going to Alabama and, you know, his ratings are, are flying through the roof. You know, guys like that, that Maryland can, can kind of identify early and maybe some of these three-star guys that, you know, aren't as highly touted. Maybe the class rank isn't there, but you know, these guys could develop into, you know, potential difference makers down the road. So it's, it's, it's really kind of a crapshoot to be honest. And just, and just looking, because you mentioned how you kind of need to develop those three-star guys, and just looking at, at the 2021 class now, some of those notable three-stars were Roman Hemby, who you know is now one of the top running backs in the, in the Big Ten. 
uh, Ty Felton, another three star. He's most likely, uh, you know, going to start a receiver for the Terps this upcoming season. CJ Dupree was a three star. He's now off to Alabama, established himself as he'll be in the, the NFL in, in probably yeah. a year or two. Exactly. Antoine Littleton, again, in the backfield, he was he was a three-star. So it's Dante Trader, three-star. So you have all these guys that are now really important key cogs to the Terps, and they were all guys that weren't maybe the high, most high, highly talented recruits, but they've developed into really solid, you know, all Big Ten players. Absolutely. And I think that we should use this as a way to transition into our interview with the three-star recruit that's coming in from Maryland. Uh, we talked to Therese Davis, an offensive tackle from DeMatha. Um, a really interesting interview. I think he had a lot of Good stuff to say. He was very honest about, you know, his recruitment and about what it's like to be recruited as a guy from DeMatha and what it's like to play there. So, uh, yeah, we'll jump right into that interview after a quick word from our sponsors. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground. Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We are now joined by Therese Davis, a three-star football recruit for the University of Maryland. He'll be at the team. He's a class of 2024 recruit, so he'll be on the team next fall. Uh, Therese, thank you for joining. We really appreciate your time. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. So Therese, is, uh, he plays at DeMatha, which, you know, we all know a lot about, uh, you know, very prominent uh, school in the, you know, Maryland realm. Uh, a lot of conversation about recruiting at DeMatha and such. So, Therese, I want to ask, uh, you know, your experience at DeMatha, how do you think that's, you know, helped shape you into the player you are today? And, you know, what, what do you think your style of play will bring to the Terps when you do enroll uh, next year? Yes, sir. Uh, DeMatha, I feel like it's, you know, it's really changed me, you know, just not on the football field, but, you know, like just in class and being a good person, you know, Coach McGregor, he he brought me in kind of, and I, I hadn't played football before. So this is really my first year playing football and it it just changed me, show, showed me how to work. You know, my work ethic has gone like through the roof. You know, I'm in the gym every day in the morning, afternoon, extra work. So I feel like it's it's definitely changed me as a person. And also on the football field, you know, just my work ethic and how I do stuff. As far as Terps, I feel like um, I feel like I'm going to bring a solid impact, you know, whether that's the first year, second year. I feel like I'll definitely make an impact, whether it's playing guard, tackle, center, whatever, whatever they need me to play. I feel like I'll make an immediate impact just because of my work ethic. And, you know, I really I really want to go to the next level. So I'm looking forward to, you know, definitely helping the Terps out. Yeah, Tristan, something that Coach Loxley, he's kind of hounded on in, in his tenure is that he wants to get guys, you know, in the DMV area. That's something that's really important to him. So when you were in the recruiting process, what was kind of his pitch to you? And, and what was your thought process of being, you know, you had offers from else, from elsewhere, but kind of wanting to stay home. So what was your thought process during all of this? Yeah, I feel like, honestly, uh, you know, he was just, he just says, you know, why go somewhere else when you can, you know, stay home? Maryland has put just as much, if not more than half of the schools, you know, and power five. So I feel like it was to me, it was like, why not? Cause you know, I feel like at Maryland, you can go to the league versus going to, you know, somewhere else. And why not, why not stay home? You know, you're home. I'm right across the street, five minutes away. So I feel like, like going through that, through the thinking process with me and my family, you know, I was just like, why not stay home? Because I can get to the league at Maryland and it's close. You know, the coaches are great. So I, I feel like overall it was just, it was just a perfect scenario for me. 
you mentioned the proximity of DeMatha, you know, it's right down the street from Maryland. There's been a lot of discourse, especially in recent years about maybe some of the top DeMatha players and in a lot of different sports going elsewhere. I know obviously you're biased, but what do you feel is the perception of Maryland as a program, specifically in football among the DeMatha community? Um, I feel like it's good. Honestly, um, if I'm being honest, I feel like people underlook it just because, you know, they it's Maryland, you know, like it's close, you know. But I feel like if people are out of state, they look at it like, oh, it's Maryland. It's a Big Ten school, like, you know, but people from here, they kind of just feel, like, oh, it's just Maryland, you know, right down the street. But I, I feel like they don't see the severity of it. You know, they're a Big Ten program. They, you know, I feel like Big Ten is the second best conference in the Power Five, so. I feel like it's – I feel they, – they love Maryland, though. But, you know, whenever Maryland comes, they they definitely like Maryland. But I feel like they get caught up when they get other offers and stuff. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, and then for all the Terp fans who follow you, you know, who just follow the team on social media, I think that they've seen a lot of the recruits, especially for your class, they've kind of bonded together on Twitter. Was that something when you when you initially recruited or even before? Did you kind of get in touch with all these local guys? And do you guys try to talk about that and why you're giving all these pitches on social media? And how has that become so important for you guys? Yeah, we have. So usually we make a group chat and then, you know, some of my friends, some of my like, you know, I just play. I've seen them at camps, you know, I, I like train with them. So I've just I've kind of just like on social media, it's it's not really a troll, but it's I feel like it does have some effect on them because it's like, you know, they see it and they realize like I can I can do what I want to do and get to the next level in Maryland. So I feel like the social media part, you know, they really sometimes they really buy into it and also you know, just calling them on FaceTime to see what, you know, they're talking about or see what they think about Maryland. So I feel like just overall, it's 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 really good for the program and also just recruiting. You know, playing in the WCAC, it's, a, you know, it's a grind every week. How does that, you think, help prepare you for, like you said, the Big Ten is, you know, one of the best conferences in the country. How does kind of the grind of playing in such a good football conference prepare you for the college level? Oh yeah, it, it it definitely does because I feel like you know you're going against top top twenty top fifty, uh, programs every every week literally. So I feel like you know playing St. John's, Good Counsel, Gonzaga every week it prepares you, just ment mentally and physically for the next level. You know we do stuff. I feel like this college level stuff that's gonna get me ready for the next level. You know, so I feel like that the transition from Dematha to college a lot. That's why a lot of our guys you know go far because. I feel like DeMatha has a specific like program that gets you right for the next level versus other schools. You know, they might take it light or do some other stuff. That's not really what DeMatha does. I feel like DeMatha is it sets you up for success, not also on the field, but also in the classroom. Yeah, kind of a two-part question here. I think you've mentioned probably going to the league has been a driving factor for you. I think you said that, you know, five times during this interview. During the NFL draft, you know, when Maryland had a few offensive tackles taken, I think they had their highest number of draftees in a couple of years. Was like How important was that for you uh, when you saw that that initial news? Yeah, I feel like um, it was very important, to you know, just to see, especially offensive linemen. You know, it's, it's cool to see different guys get drafted, but I think they had was it two? If I'm not, I don't know if it's two. I think yeah, it was two, two offensive three. linemen drafted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Offensive linemen. So I feel like Coach Braswell is doing a really great job. You know, I feel like he's he's preparing them for the next level. So it's it for for me that was a sign. Like okay, like Coach Braswell means business. He's sending guys to the league. He was previously like in the league. I think he was an intern for the Browns. I think if I'm not correct, but it was definitely a big factor. In it. Yeah. 
And, and then just to kind of follow up on that, obviously, I think the offensive line, that's been a, a, a talking point, you know, for Maryland for the past few years, it maybe hasn't been their strongest, uh, their, their strongest position. So when you were in the kind of the recruiting process, was that something that, that Coach Loxley kind of talked to of how they're try, really trying to rebuild that, that offensive line? And obviously, for the class of 2023, they that was kind of Loxley's most important thing. That was one of the highest positions he brought in. So was that something he kind of talked to you, how he's trying to revamp that old line? Yes, sir. Yeah, he he told me he's trying to build the old line. He said, as soon as you get here, be ready, be ready to go. So I've been trying to, you know, recruit, recruit O line. Ryan Howardson, hopefully he commits to Maryland. That's <laughs> but I I got some some other offensive linemen that hopefully commit to Maryland. But yeah, that's that's he definitely talked about that. Yes, sir. I think I can speak for pretty much everyone listening, which you know, we don't really know what it's like to be recruited, you know, at a power five football level. Can you can you just kind of walk me through what that process is like? What you know, Loxley's pitch was to you and kind of how that whole recruiting process unfolded? Yeah, so um, first, my first offer, so I didn't have no offers, no looks, because I'm originally a basketball player, so I transitioned to football. I got here, played a couple games. I think it was my third game versus friendship. After the friendship game, Coach Brooks, uh, Elijah Brooks, he, he, he was previously from here, then he went to Virginia Tech. He called me and was just uh, telling me, like, he likes me and he wants to talk to my mom. And then he gave me the offer. And it was kind of after that, I kind of just started, you know, more colleges started recruiting me. But it was it was very like I feel like it's very it's different because, you know, you're not used to it. And then you get all these college coaches calling you every day. So I feel like and then when I talked to Coach, uh, Coach Loxley, you know, he was telling me pretty much the same thing about how he likes me. He sees me. He thinks I'm going to be a great player. So it, I feel like the recruiting game is really it's definitely a business, but you know, it's, it's very genuine. So I feel like it's, it's good. It's really, it's really good. How much, yeah, do, then, how much does it, one second, Andrew, um, how much does it matter to you to have a school, um, you know, jump in early to, to have like Maryland B say your first offer, how much weight does that hold when you're making your decision? Um, it definitely makes a lot. Cause you know, they're, they're the first person to believe in you. You know, I feel like if Maryland, maybe they didn't throw the offer, you know, maybe I wouldn't have offers to, the the spring so I feel like it was definitely it would definitely played a part in that for sure definitely yeah and then just to build off that uh can you kind of take us through what an official visit is like because just looking at your timeline you know you, you visit a bunch of schools and then it's really two weeks later you kind of commit so what is an official visit like and what was your visit at Maryland like yeah so it's it's pretty much you know they show you the academic part the strength conditioning part all the facilities where you're going to stay in dorms all that um they show you pretty much everything, the coaches, staff, school, where you're going to be taking classes. But at Maryland, um, it was a lot of it was academics. And then we did a campus tour, um, nutrition, strength, pretty much everything. And then I went out with my uh, host, Andre Roy. Shout out, Andre. But, uh, yeah, I went out with my host and then we just went bowling. We did some cool stuff. It, it was really nice. And then, and then just to, just a little, little part two of that. What is because you mentioned the facilities? Obviously, Maryland put up a ton of money into the into the Jones Hill House. So, what was how important was that seeing that you know revamp facility for you? Yeah, it it was really important because I um I haven't seen no facility like Maryland. So I'm not gonna. I've been to Syracuse, uh, South Florida, Boston College, Virginia Tech. I Maryland probably has definitely the best facility has now. And there's been a lot of discussion recently about how much facilities, you know, play into the recruiting process nowadays. Can you kind of provide maybe from, from a recruit's perspective uh, and, you know, maybe speaking for other people as well, how recruits nowadays are balancing 
facilities, which used to be maybe more important than NIL, which is where a lot of the money is going now. You know, how, how does that decision get weighed when you're uh, deciding where you're going to go? Yeah, um, I feel like facilities, I mean, they, they do play a part, but I feel like, you know, you're going to be taken care of regardless of what facility you're in. I feel like more NIL people people go for NIL, which is which is good. And I mean, it's good for them, but it's kind of bad because it's like you're going for the money and not the school, you know. Like, I feel like that's wrong. I feel like you should go because you want to go, not just because you're getting paid, you know, $500,000 or something like that. But I feel like it's definitely it's definitely played a part in NIL. But I, I would say facility is still kind of, you know, it's I feel like it's not mandatory, but if you do have it, it definitely plays a part in it. Yeah, and then I guess the last thing I kind of have is what do you think that Coach Loxley and their staff needs to do in the coming years uh, to make sure that, that they can get some of the high-end DMV talent to, uh, to commit to them? Yeah, I would say um, I would say get at them early. You know, they got to keep pushing at them, get them early, call them every day, you know, talk to them, tell them how much they want them. I feel like that will that would definitely make an impact, you know, and just make sure they're there because we're right down the street. So, I mean, they can be there half of the time if they really, you know, if they want to. So I feel like getting them there, keeping them there, getting them down every every spring, every summer, make sure they're there in the Make sure they're at the university, you know, make sure they're at uh, whatever they could be at, um, whether it's OTAs or just whatever they could be. At. I feel like that that's the main uh, focus. And this will be my last question. Um, what former or current players have you had discussions with at Maryland? I know you mentioned, you know, Andre Roy, you were with on your official visit. Have you had an opportunity to talk to, you know, maybe anyone on the roster or, you know, we mentioned some of those NFL guys. Have you had a chance to connect with some of the uh, Maryland football community? Yeah, I've talked to um well, I know my brother's friends with Nick Cross. I used well, old old friends. So Nick Cross, I know Nick Cross. Also Champ, Champ Long, Tamarius, Tamarius Walker, that's my guy. Also Billy Edwards. You know, I got to talk to him about some recruiting. So yeah. Great. Well, Therese, this has been really helpful. Uh we really appreciate your time. This has been a great interview and uh best of luck moving forward. Gonna be watching out for you in the fall. Yes, sir. I appreciate you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Therese. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel and i'm rebecca we're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say didn't see that coming and we hate the people responsible for them listen to people are the worst now on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts